We'll do both. 14 first? Yeah. Yo! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. And we have an interesting episode this time. And it's a record that didn't initially appear on Rev, the first of many that didn't initially, you know, I've been, I've gotten discussions with people on Facebook before because they're like, what's your favorite Rev out of this? You know, there was that poll that Rev did on Twitter. What's your favorite Rev records from like zero to 50, 51 to a hundred, blah, blah, blah. And I, I fired off with some of my favorites and people are like, well, that's not originally a Rev that doesn't have the, you know, blah. And I'm like, look, motherfucker, if this has a catalog number, it's a Rev record to me. Like, I don't care if it's a re uh, I'm, no. I'm a purist. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> if, it's, if it was released by Revelation, if it has that star and that number, it's a Rev record to me. So if I you're mean, a purist, what about Quest for Certainty? We're going to do... No, we're going to do the record. Right. right. Like, we're, we're so going to we're, we're not in this alone. It. We're not in this alone. Is that not it's a Caroline. Rev record? No, it's Caroline. Nah, it, but, uh, but it took yeah. a life of its own. Yes, it was released on Caroline. And yes, the Caroline cassette version is the superior mix of that record, in my opinion. But it is still a Revelation record. So anyway, Jason, what do we got today? Judge, the 7-inch New York crew. New York motherfucking crew. You know, what's interesting about this EP is I have only ever owned it on cassette. I've never physically owned a copy of the New York crew seven inch on revelation or schism, which is where it was originally released. And I'm Man, glad yeah, this is a schism release. Yeah. Get out of here with that. I'm actually, <laughs> uh, you know, for this episode, we had the opportunity to interview Porcel and Mike Judge, which is huge. And that is the seven inch. That's who played just those two guys played on this whole seven inch. And a lot of the history of the transition from schism, you know, the original pressing on schism, all that stuff. Uh, it's great that Porcel was able to kind of walk us through that process and you know a lot of that's documented it's in books it's in the I do think we got some stuff that wasn't talked about before i mean right off the bat in this interview porcel was just like well let's talk about this and he dropped some fucking knowledge about the basically the formation of judge Mm -hmm. that was as uh jason is fond of saying gold right (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean, and we'll we'll talk about our personal connection to it after the interview. But do you think before we do that, it would be t- a good time to? What's up, Revelation Records fans? Joe from Hellminded Records here to fill you in on some of the killer records we're churning out. So stick around for just one minute, and I'll drop some info on how to win a free Shades Apart test press, along with a special coupon code for our web store at hellmindedrecords.com. Kicking things off is the first record in 19 years by New Jersey's finest power trio and former Revelation recording artist Shades Apart. Mixed and mastered at the Blasting Room, Eternal Echo is a 10-song shredder, which is now available on limited blue ocean waves and black vinyl. Keep an eye out in 2021 for more coming from Shades Apart. 
Next in line, the first release in over 27 years from legendary New Jersey hardcore unit No Escape. Featuring Tim Singer of Dead Guy and Kiss a Goodbye along with Steve Cordello of Turning Point, this brand new six song 12 inch is due out late January 2021. Pre-orders begin early December 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. On deck for spring 2021, we've got several killer releases in the hopper, including the debut LP by South Philly's crossover thrashers, Honey. Featuring Jay Laughlin from Turning Point on guitar and vocals, this record is for fans of Power Trip, Iron Reagan, and Mind Force. And that's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hellminded Records and sign up for our mailing list for a chance to win a free Shades Apart test press. You can also use the code Where It Went to save 10% on any order between now and November 30th, 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. Got it. All right. What do you so so I guess I'll start with um how do you, hopefully people dig that little hellminded ad. Um, there's a nice discount code uh, for ordering. I've mentioned the Shades Apart record before. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to come out this year. Uh, the label has a lot of cool stuff on the horizon, some of which has been announced. And, you know, all rev adjacent, adjacent to the pod. We got, uh, like he said, No Escape. You got Tim Singer from Kiss It Goodbye. We got um, Honey that features uh, Jay from Turning Point. So, and some more cool stuff that I'm sure we can talk about later, but I want to give them a bit of bow. I'm glad to have them uh, working with us on this uh, pod. I wasn't too familiar with Hellminded before, you know, we started working on this podcast and just from A, from talking to you and then from social media, following them, you know, as people and as a record label I think that it's really cool. They do some really cool stuff. And, you know, I, I run a small independent record label myself, or not record label, but label. And to encounter other labels that are doing cool stuff um, has been a really cool thing. And, and it's like bands. Like, there's a healthy level of competition because you see what other people are doing and you kind of want to one-up them sometimes but also just like you know uh for me especially bitter melody organized crime records those two guys um are doing stuff that every time they they put a new drop i'm like damn like they they're ah why don't i get to do that like bitter melody made integrity dice and they're making integrity eight tracks like that's eight tracks, eight tracks. They're now on their second. They did a, those who fear tomorrow, eight track and a systems overload, eight track. They also did cursed on eight track, Chris Callahan's band. And, you know, he posts video of them like playing it and the eight track player. And they're actually taking like old eight track shells. Cause someone was kind of uppity, like, well, you're destroying that using the plastic and this and that, and it's a dead format, but like, Oh my God. Motherfuckers going to collect what they want to collect, you know? Like, yeah. And so anyway, um, Clint from organized crime and mission to entertainment has always been a supporter of the pod. just want to give them, I guess that's my shout it. Hey, what about the tape though? Can you talk about the tape you're putting? Yeah. Out? I was going to say, talk about the contraband the integrity. Oh yeah. yeah. So I just dropped record. this, this week, which is uh, yesterday was Friday, November 13th. 
I dropped a cassette release of Integrity System, or I'm sorry, Seasons in the Size of Days. It's got to be like- That was my, my first Integrity album. It's like my fifth or sixth Integrity release on the label. And there's like, you know, there's some bundles, there's some merch. And I've been working with Duid and Integrity for 10 years now. That's kind of how we got started um, was- you know, releasing stuff. We were actually, the one and only record we did was a compilation seven inch with Integrity, Vegas, Unreal City, and Gehenna to commemorate the this show that we had here at Chain Reaction. And after doing that, I didn't really want to do records anymore. And so we switched to all cassettes and other forms of ephemera. And uh, so yeah, bit of bow to Duet Hellion and uh, anyone who also puts out integrity stuff there's a lot of us um out there and um hector bit of hector, hector ales and ills holy mountain mm-hmm. um empiricon and then duid also is still very active with the holy terror record label he just put out a noise album uh called controlled death which also put out a box set that's like three three twelve inches and a cassette in one thing and it's i mean i'm a fan of harsh noise uh i listen to noise a lot much to the dismay of my wife and the rest of my family and uh the noise scene is alive my wife yeah the my wife you can't see me on this but i have a very burly mustache right now because it is movember looks and, good uh my oh. my jujitsu coach and i decided to shave our mustaches to uh in, in honor of movember and we're trying to draw attention to men's health issues through the Movember campaign. So it is, like I said, it is November right now. And so it's Movember. And if you don't know what Movember is, I suggest you Google it and maybe sign up and uh, look mighty like me. I look vaguely somewhere between European and like- And porn star. Yeah, you know, I, I really reject the porn stash moniker i don't i don't enjoy that because well then i'm gonna keep saying no i'm just yeah i know right uh and and you know i have also have a very shaved head right now so i do look like possibly um someone from american me or blood in blood out um and that's just what happens when you're a mexican man with a mustache you can't really (laughs) blood in blood out is a good movie it's a hard one i wanted to uh piggyback actually one of the bit of bows i wanted to give for this episode was also to clint an organized crime mission to um i recently at uh siren records a bit of bow to them they're one of our patrons i picked up the course of disapproval um truth gives wings to strength the new one um reissue what what color did you get i think it's gray like marble Uh, gray or something mine's like clear with like it looks like a blood a pool of blood in it it's It's super nice so i i remembered hearing course 20 years ago and thinking, oh, this is not for me today. And then I forgot about him. And you guys, well, Javier, once again, he's like, dude, listen to this LP. And I listened. I was like, oh, I'm fucking sold. I love Chorus. So uh, he did a really nice job with that reissue. So Yeah, he did another one a few years ago that, uh, with a silk screen cover and there was only 75. Yeah, it was for a fest that was in Florida that um, my dude Brooklyn helped to set up and... Uh, Oh, nice. I also, some shinfo, I have a course of disapproval tattoo. 
Do you? And I, I gave myself uh, when I was 17, it was a stick and poke and it was an X that said loyal. Okay. And then uh, some more info, Mark Mitchell, who was the original singer of culture and was also in red roses for a blue lady and the mistake. He kind of without asking, he was tattooing my leg and he just went over that X and turned it into an anchor. And so my course tattoo got covered up by like a small anchor. Yeah, I guess he, he, he was like, no, you're not going to have this. I remember my, my friend Clint, the different Clint, uh, that played in the band Rain Supreme. Mm, yo, he, American violence is a hard yeah, ass I, fuck I know, record. I know you're a big Holy fan. Shit. He has a chorus tattoo, I, I, I believe, if I recall correctly. Him and my friend Gus, uh, Gus from Portland, plays in a great band called Moon Kisser. Mm-hmm. They have, I want to say, matching tattoos. And if they're listening or someone that knows them, they can correct me. And it has the cake. They're holding the piece of cake and it says, you take the cake, you fucking traitor. Nice. Um, but yeah, that chorus record is, is great. Clint's, Clint um, organized crime. Great. He uh, hooked me up with a couple really neat chorus t-shirts that I uh, I'm super stoked on. Is so. it the one with the, he, they're standing behind each other and he's got his hand on his shoulders and he's like lamenting over a broken uh they like went when it looks like they went to this riverbed on the back right and had and had and a the, case of beers and, and the front says the case of beers. yeah what the yeah fuck, and dude? it's i forget what the back <laughs> says that's a white tee like that's sick brothers and from, he's yeah. he sent me the uh godfather rip uh-huh. i like the, godfather rip. the chorus and has yeah. the x hand but yeah. yeah man one of the things i love about this podcast is digging into these catalogs that i ignored uh-huh. as a younger man and, mm. and child because like I said, that chorus record fucking rips. It's so good. Yeah, and you know, uh, a couple episodes ago, I said something about Powerhouse, the New Age Records Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And I forget who it was. Was it Tim Price um, messaged me and he was like, hey, I was in Powerhouse and all of that stuff is up on SoundCloud and here's a link to it. You can oh, listen nice. to everything. And I was like, holy fuck, no way. That's so wild. So yeah, it's cool to Isn't like- it? Like, well, look at, cool. you know, I've, I've curated now this Dan O'Mahony Museum at home with all these records, like diving into the 411 and the- um, Great record. You know, the No For An Answer LP and Speak, which I'm stoked that we'll get to talk about Speak eventually, but yeah. Yeah, but at Bo Chris Lisk. Yeah, cool stuff. Um, what else did I have real quick? Uh, a bit of bow to my buddy and friend of the pod, Conrad. He's got his clumsy goods. Clumsy goods. Um, they had a couple drops, some cool shit, uh, Stone Roses stuff, and then some Teenage Fan Club and New Order stuff. So follow uh, at Clumsy Goods on Instagram so that you're ready for the next uh, drop, which I think – I'm not sure when it will be, but – you pretty know, you frequently. got it back fast. It's pretty active. Yeah. yeah. So that and um, I do have one more, but I don't know if you guys want to go first. No, I'm, I'm good. Let me bit about Vinyl Conflict Records. Oh, great Rick- store. Yeah. Great store um, at Vinyl Conflict and on Discogs also. And um, I did some Bobby, artwork. Bobby's a good dude. Bobby's a great, a great dude. Uh, he owns a store. Um, and I did some record store day can suck it promo for them which took inspiration from chunk king can suck it nice mm-hmm. so yeah it's a it's a cool st- i went um when we went to united blood when uh i went to united blood to, in 2018 to see okay. 
um, count me out. Awesome. <laughs> Which and um, we went to that store, and it was just it's it's always cool going to a new record store that's like owned by a hardcore kid, yeah. and like there's like a lot of hardcore records there. Because sometimes you go to these other stores, and you know even though they're independent, they don't have as much of that stuff. So yeah, I went there this cool week. You know what I picked up? Oh, I know. Speak out on gatefold. Yes. Yeah. What press though? Great store and Garth let me borrow his judge collector. Did he just ignore you, Hoff? Yeah, wow, geez. Oh what? shit. I'm sorry, Hoff. What'd you say? Yeah, what press <laughs> is your uh, bold on gatefold? I think it's first pressed. Oh, you sure about that? I don't know. How do I find out? Yeah, how uh, do I find out? Uh, you could look at the record aficionado book. You could <laughs> also borrow that book. You could also look at uh, the classic rev text file that Kevin Finn. Um, there's subtle differences on the labels and the I Okay, I'll look at it later. Yeah, but <clears throat> that's how I discovered that mine mine is gatefold, but it's third press. Okay. Yeah, mine's I, I doubt mine's a first press. It's in super nice shape too. Oh, mine's beat to fucking hell. Mine, but I figure we can ask Matt when he comes on. I got mine from We'll uh, all hold our we'll all hold <laughs> our uh money hold race our records up to the to the zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I have one more bit of bow. Um, just my buddy, Mark, who played with me in easy creatures. Uh, he's a renowned vegan chef and he's going to be doing, um, he's doing a, a his own company, uh, business like a, uh, called primary plant-based. So like if you've eaten and if you're from in the Philly area and you've been to like the triangle tavern, uh, the Kyber Pass Pub, um, Cantina Dos Segundos, and uh, the Royal Tavern. Like he's done so much of that vegan menu, and it's freaking awesome. And he's he's doing this primary plant based. Um, they're at primary plant based on Instagram, and uh, I think the menu drops uh, next week. Uh, and he's going to start doing orders for that. So if you're in the area and there will be a website, primaryplantbased.com. So hit up Mark. He's a good dude. He loves uniform choice as much as I do. Um, but does he love unity? Lot. Does he love unity? He does. Mm. He does. Yeah. But like, he wouldn't say that blood days is better than screaming for change. Well, mm. there's a difference between, and he's, be- and hey, the there's a is, difference between better than and likes more. And right? the thing is, He's not even straight edge and he wouldn't get that messed up. Well, are you, is he high? Are you high? <laughs> no, you're <laughs> fucking high. <laughs> no, I'm but not. yeah, so good. I mean, if I've obviously, if you could see him, I've eaten his food many times and it's fantastic. And like his menu is like, I've seen, you know, got a sneak peek at the menu and it's a lot of like Asian fusion, mm. but it's going to be healthy plant-based, but still like comfort foods. So you know, for all the, for all the time I spent in Philly over the past few years, I never got a chance to go to Triangle Tavern. I was always kind of next time <clears throat> I was at like Govinda's and Blackbird. All right. And then, uh, what's it? Uh, Kung, Kung Fu, the, the place that had the banh mi sandwiches at this is hardcore. Oh, Kung Fu Hoagies. Kung yeah, Fu Hoagies is yeah, gone. Great. Oh, they're cool. gone. Cool, cool. And so is, um, yeah. Rip Govinda's. Yeah. I had to, yeah, Rip Govindas. Big, yeah. big bummer. So there. next time you're out here, we'll go to Triangle. Yeah. So that's all I got. Yeah. Should we uh, dive into Rev 14? 
the Judge New York Crew 7-inch. Mike and Porcel, two great dudes at one low price. Here we go. talk about all right let's talk about yeah let's talk about the judge seven inch you guys we're here today with mike and porcel from the actually they were the band judge when it started you two guys just went into don fury studio and uh you know anyone who's familiar and has familiarized themselves with the history of judge and hardcore new york hardcore knows you know how this band started it's very well documented and so we even talked about that this morning like what are we gonna what are we doing like this stuff has already been covered you know um but that, that's not gonna stop we, we gotta we gotta dig deep for some new stories mike yeah, yeah. that's what i was <laughs> gonna say dig real deep. that's what we're here for we're the uh archaeologists so you two went in to don fury uh who had the songs you know, it, it, the, the seven inch, it's just a, a quick handful of songs. It's five songs, including one cover. And Mike played drums and sang. Porcel, you played all the strings. So, like, Porcel, did you already have all this stuff written? Mike, did you have it written? And, or did you I, pre- I pretty much had it written. I would call Porcel at night and say, listen to these words. Here, listen to these words. Listen to this. Uh, music. I think Jimmy Yu, who was, you know, we were already in a band together previously, Death Before Dishonor. I, I remember him coming over and he, we were just going over some shit and he wrote the music to uh, Fed Up. That's right. Fed and Up then, was the first song. It was a Jimmy Yu jail. Yeah. And I thought it was incredible. Yeah. And then um, timelines are fucking weird, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember, but I think I was I I'll tell I was, you this I think I was living in Brooklyn at the time with these guys. Yes. Yes. These guys would like go off to work or something and I would just sit in the apartment with Purcell's record collection and Al Brown's record collection and just listen to like last rites and fucking, you know, and just plot away on a bass just trying to come up with music. Between me and Al Brown, we pretty much had every hardcore and punk record there was. Yeah, it was like <laughs> pretty it was much. Like a, it was like a punk rock hardcore library. He was like the Spotify before there was Spotify. Just exactly. Instead, of the, no instead of the hardcore playlist, it was just come to Porcel and Al Brown's house. I will tell you the seed. It may not have been a where, where, where Judge actually started, but I'll tell you the seed of dissent that sowed that went to the ground that grew into Judge the Band. Mike, okay, <clears throat> Youth of Today was together. Mike was playing drums. It was just me, Mike, Walter, and Kappa were in the band. And it was after Break Down the Walls, and we were trying to write new songs. And so Kappa brought us all down to the studio at Don Fury Studio, and we had this practice. You remember this, Mike? Dude, you know what? 
this is funny, man, because I was wrestling with this for fucking like two days saying, do I want to tell the story of, <laughs> of that? Yeah, we got to last... dig deep, dude. We got to <laughs> dig deep. I didn't know if I wanted to tell that last Youth of Today rehearsal for me. But well, I tell you, you know, we had this we had this rehearsal. And, you know, anybody knows Capo knows he's like a guy. He's a leader. He's just a leader through and through. You know, he kind of sets the tone. He he holds the torch. He's got the freaking army of people behind him and he's like ready to go into battle. So, you know, being like the being like, you know, the leader of the band, he was like, okay, check it out. I got a whole bunch of new songs. We're completely changing the sound of Youth of Today. We're not going to do thrash anymore. We're going to do like really, he was really into like blast and um, I guess, you know, SSD, you know, kind of had that like blasty kind of thing, but it was just like slow, weird, sludgy, black flagish, my war ish mixed with like suicidal tendencies kind of stuff. And it was, it was just like, it, it was like, you take that Youth of Day blueprint that we kind of like championed, throw it out the window, and now we're going to do something completely new. And it was just like, from the very first song, we were like, you know what the very first song was? Mike, Whenever you remember this. The song Blind Patriot. Patriot, yep. On We're Not In This Alone. It used to go, Patreon. It was like this sludgy, dirgy. I don't even know what it sounded like. It was like Black Sabbath meets freaking SSD. And we're all just like looking at each other and we're like, what the fuck is going on? And Capo was like, he was super into it. And he was like, you know, this is it. This is the direction we got to go for. We already put out Break Down the Walls. We don't want to put out Break Down the Walls. But he was like adamant that we had to like go in this direction. And that's where he even had that song. Do you remember the song? The, the, the other song was, it's, it sounded like a Suicidal Tendencies jam. And it was kind of like, and it was that one for five years now i've known parcel yeah oh my god that was another one we got like three or four songs in on these songs that cap had wrote you know and and here's another thing like you know capo he he's got great ideas but he's not a musician like he can't play guitar so we're all kind of like, <clears throat> he's got these ideas and he's kind of like humming it to us. And we're all trying to like put these songs together, but we're totally disheartened. Like me, Walter and Mike, our hearts are just on the floor. And so finally, <laughs> I think it was probably Mike <laughs> was just like, yo, dude, I'm like not into this. Sh I don't even want to play this shit. And Cap, and it was like, a, it was a really... It was, it, a heavy it, was, it was like a standoff. Yeah, it, was ugly. It, was, it got ugly. It got ugly. Yeah. It actually way, broke up the band. What happened was I was like already thinking about my own band throughout that whole tour because things were just like, things were just bugging me constantly. And uh, remember when the van was broken down in Florida and I was like 
we had to like take turns staying in, living in a junkyard to watch the van. Yeah. And you would come over and I was like, dude, I got this idea for a fucking band. I got this idea for a band. So I was already thinking that. And then when we finally got home and we went to Furies for that rehearsal, and I just remember it being like, Capo comes in, he says, here, I wrote all the songs. This one's called Blind Patriot. I'm going to teach it to you and we're going to play it. There was, there was no like, let's jam on this. Let's, you know, like what bands do. Like they write fucking songs. This was like, I already wrote it. I'm going to teach it to you. We're going to play it. And then and the, the, song, the song sucked. And so as, a, as the night was going on, it didn't take long, but I was like, it just solidified everything I was already feeling. So I just, I was like, I'm out. Sorry, dudes. I remember that. Yeah. The worst part of that was the walk, the walk home to the walk to the subway, because I remember Wally was going one way, Kappa was by himself and me and you were walking together. And it, it was just totally splintered. Like it just felt like there was no coming back. Yeah, it was like that. It was heavy. Yeah, it was sad. Capo so then you did Capo break. really took a heavy stance. And like, we just took a heavy stance against it. And it just ended like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Let's all walk away from each other. The <laughs> yeah. band actually mm -hmm. broke up. Okay, I mean, yeah, that was the, the, the band was broken up for like probably, I mean, not long, maybe six months. But that practice literally broke the band up. It was pretty bad. And that's in between the two youth of today full lengths. Yeah. So six yeah. months, six months is a long, I know I'm just quoting Morrissey here. <laughs> six months is a long time, but in hardcore time, it's actually it a long time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in the, even in that one schism zine, it says like youth of today, 1985 to like 1988 or something. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a picture of youth today. And it was because we had broken up. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I remember that. That's when I remember Mike, coming and mike lived at schism hq he lived in the front room and i remember him coming to me with like not only did i was so surprised because the guy had like a whole full notebook of lyrics like a full notebook he's like hey for sale i got these i got these songs i was like really check it out and he's just got this whole notebook like he had i mean you must have worked on that thing for months yeah i was writing like all over the whole time i was on tour with Ethan today, I was writing words and shit about all the experiences. Remember, uh, remember I called you, I was like, I, got, I, I wrote another song, here are the words, and I told you the, the words to New York Crew, and then you're like, you can't say that stuff. <laughs> you, you, gotta, you gotta take these parts out, you can't say that believe stuff. Believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, the Judge 7-inch was highly censored by me. Yeah, you're like, you can't say that shit. So the version yeah, that came run, out is not that one. Okay. The first run of lyrics, they were so fucking hateful. <laughs> yeah. So bitter. There were some so, part. There were some parts where Purcell was like, "Dude, now you're just like you're, you're copping to crimes now. You can't say that." So <laughs> it was like total rewrite at that point. Stabbing people. <laughs> I don't even know what else was in there. <laughs> it's like Mike, you can't say you're gonna stab somebody. <laughs> it was all stuff like that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but, um, you know what's weird? Like, so me and Mike had this idea of doing the band. Mike even had the name. He had that name. I think you had that name even the first time that you brought, you had that lyric book. We had that first time where we sat down. 
He was like, I want to yeah. call a judge. And he had the whole, not only did he have the name, he had the whole concept for the band. He was like, you know what? Because really at this time, it was even early, but at this time, Straight Edge was starting to take that turn. You know, a lot of people were like breaking edge and it was sort of like just at the beginning of becoming uncool. And so Mike was like, and, and straight edge kids were taking a lot of heat for being like shallow and, you know, judgmental. And so he was like, <clears throat> you know what, if they want to make fun of band, you know, if they want to say that straight edge is <clears throat> fascist and judgmental, you know what, we're going to give them the band that's going to be like that. <laughs> so let's call it judge. And, you know, even Mr. Posse, me, I was so really like pissed off that Youth Today had broken up that I was just like, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. And so really that was like the mood that the band started in. It was kind of like, it wasn't just Youth of Today. It was like, it was the whole scene and, you know, people just down on us and, you know, straight edge just taking all these hits and, it almost just got to the point where it was just like disheartening and too much. And you know what? You back somebody up against a cage and you know, you either do one, you either do one of two things, you cower or you come out fighting. And that was kind of like the mood, let's come out fighting, you know? Right. And so that was, that was really, you know, the, the birth of the judge seven inch. And you know, you, I really got to credit Jimmy, he, Jimmy, you, because the first judge song that was ever written, was fed up now jimmy you and his brother they're both like they're they were metalhead kids right mike no they're punk rock dudes they're but jimmy was his brother like a really good metal guitar player or something like no. that or no steven 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 is awful he's like <laughs> he's he's just he, he's really bad he was in. He was into punk rock. As soon as he came into the country, he got into punk rock. So, and Jimmy just did whatever Stephen did. Steve, uh, Jimmy somehow, teaching himself became like. He became like the shit on guitar. He was. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was great, but because of his older brother, he wasn't allowed to play guitar in any bands. Like Stephen had to be a guitar player. Jimmy had to be the bass player. But you know, even you know. That song, Fed Up, it was really like the blueprint for all the other songs to come. And it had that metal mosh part, you know, so it was from that song that all the other songs kind of like came into existence. And really, you know, it happened so fast. It was literally that day, Use the Day breaks up. Next week, Mike's showing me his, his notebook. It's this thick with lyrics. We're like, yeah, let's do it. We went to Giant Studios because it was the cheapest studio place in New York. It was on 14th Street. Like the worst <laughs> like practice studio ever. Like you could you could plainly hear what the people were playing next door. Like no yeah. soundproofing. There's like YDL was next door, like Warzone was next door, like a cacophony of sound when you were trying to practice. And uh, it was really only like two or three weeks that those songs really just kind of like took shape. Yeah, because right? we would we would go into Giant and you know, Purcell would play music. I'd I'd play the drums, get a song down. Then Purcell would play guitar. I'd sing over it. It was never like it was always just me and him. So it was never like a full band got to do it. And um, 
we actually put a lot of work into it. Like we went to Giant Studios practically every day. We were there for hours. I mean, we it wasn't like Project X where we just kind of threw it together. You know, we actually worked on it. We worked on the songs. <clears throat> Mike had all the lyrics down. He was working on hard on how he was going to sing them. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, when we went into the studio, it wasn't to record the Judge New York Crew record. It was just like, let's record and just see what the hell it's going to sound like. And we didn't yeah. even really, it wasn't like we were even really intending to do a record, but it just came out so damn good. The way I remember it was, you know, we, it wasn't meant to be a band. It was just, it was just going to be a record that came out in like Schism, one of the fanzines. And uh, that's why I was like so over the top because I thought I was just going in real quick, one big, real strong fuck you to everybody and then game over had no idea that it was going to turn into a band. And then I was going to have to see the, all those people that I sold to go fucking. So, so it was almost, it was almost just like another vert, like in your mind, I'm not to jump into your mind, but like, Oh, this is going to be like another version of like project X, like just like a prod a project for lack of a better term that we put out with the zine and you know, people dig it, think it's cool. And that's that. Well, yeah, I, I think so. that, I mean, I think that's what the idea was, but then it was so good that I don't remember who first came up with the idea to make it a band. It probably wasn't me because I don't think I wanted to actually sing in front of people. So it's probably Purcell. Well, you know, we, you know, we went in there and we went to Don Fury's. Don Fury's was 25 bucks an hour. We paid 75 bucks for three hours. We did that whole thing in three hours. I think we Whoa. came. I think we came back and we did backup vocals, but really the main stuff was recorded. We did it super quick. Mike played drums. I played guitar. We pretty much did every song, maybe for you know first or second take. Then I overdubbed the bass. Then I over. Then I overdubbed some guitars, and then Mike sang. And I think we came in later, um, and did some backup vocals with everybody. But I remember we left Don Furies with that tape. And it was just like a rough mix. And I was so friggin' psyched on it. Like, I couldn't believe how good it came out, especially like how good Mike sang. Because, you know, at Giant Studios, you really couldn't... Mike would sing sometimes, but like I was playing guitar and he would just... He was just almost like talking through it, trying to like get to see how he was going to do the vocals. He wasn't like full on singing like you would with a band. So, you know, his voice was just so good. I couldn't believe it. And I took that tape... And I went straight to Walter's house. I kid you not. I took the train to Queens. I went to Walter's house and I was like, Walter, you're not going to believe this thing that me and Mike did. And he put it in the tape deck and he listened to the whole thing. And then he turns it off. He goes, you guys suck. And I was like, <laughs> why? He goes, I've been working on Gorilla Biscuits for like two years. And you guys work on something for like a month. And it's like way better. He's like, you guys suck. <laughs> He's like, this is like the greatest thing that I've ever heard. You got to make this a band. Nice. And then I was just like, you know, we were, everybody was like really stoked on it. That it, And, you know, even to this day, I played on a lot of records. That's probably one of my favorite records I ever played on was that New York Crew 7-inch. So yeah, I don't great. know. It was just one, it was one of those perfect storms where it just kind of came out, just kind of came out great. Yeah. You know? Well, what I was going to ask too is like, I wonder then if Youth of Today hadn't, broken up if you know what i mean it's like one of those things where it was almost destiny 
whatever you want to call yeah. it, right? That youth of today stops, you start judge. And, you know, I guess by the time, if I'm getting my timeline correct, by the time youth of today ended up coming back, judge was already a real band. Yeah, I, well, yep. it's, it's simple to answer because if that whole deal with youth of today didn't fall apart the way it did, and I was still in love with being in youth of today, half of those words would have never been written. There's a lot of those words came out of the frustration of the way that band fell apart and shit. Yeah. And I think some of the best music, especially with punk and hardcore, comes from a reaction as a reaction reactionary stuff and i think like what you're saying is is a, a, a testament of that like you know when people start bands or even even writing songs that are like a reaction of something they can sometimes be the most passionate um you know awesome songs and records yeah. and bands yeah, for sure that's that's the the double-edged sword of it all is you write something in the heat of the moment and then you got to live with that lyric yeah. For to however. this day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like there's a lot of motherfuckers who hung on every word and uh, never even knowing what the fuck I was actually talking about. Yeah. Yeah. How was the reception when the record came out? From Fantastic. what I remember, it was like over the top great. It was yeah. like pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty sick how fast it, it happened. I remember Purcell going, you got to come and see, we're going to rehearse full band and we're going to play the anthrax uh we're going to like go up after bold or something and i was like what we don't even have a band he's like drew's going to play drums just that and the other thing. and uh when i got to furies fucking it was jimmy you was there drew bold purcell we learned the fucking songs and then we went up to connecticut and played yeah that was great we, did, we did we just might a big fight yeah, broke we, out we opened up with <laughs> we just might drew drum <laughs> fight show. broke out yeah, Drew Bold played. Uh, oh, Drew nice. Played. nice. Voted Drew Beat, now, Mike, friend of the pod. Here's something that um, did, didn't we want to get Luke at one point? Didn't we want Luke in the band? Okay, we, so didn't Luke play with us? Yes. So there's a 1988 demo that's four songs, and it's Mike Porcel, Jimmy Yu, and Luke on drums. Yeah. And, and that's on uh, the discography, yeah. right? Like, because I think it was one of these things where the CD version, which is what I had for a while, only had like a couple of the tracks, but the vinyl has all was four tracks, right? It's hear me, hold me back, give it up, and just like you. And though that recording is so good, uh, I really? downloaded, like, I, I, I downloaded don't off a blog a couple years ago on um, blogged and quartered. And it's, uh, it's the 88 demo, 88 live on WNYU, live at the Anthrax, and live in Minneapolis. It's like 33 songs. And the first four songs is the demo, and it is so good. Um, I mean, one thing is, it wasn't a real demo. It was a practice. Yeah, it couldn't have been. Sure. It, and, I mean, uh, it, it, it sounds good. And Mike's those songs a little the, bit rougher than the, than the album. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, you guys might know, but it sounds like you don't know how much more Luke would have played with you, but he definitely, uh, according to the internet, played on those four songs. I'm pretty sure Luke was the first drummer that we got. <clears throat> and I think there was some kind of like... Was he in Warzone still at the time? 
No, I think he was in Gorilla Biscuits. I think there was some kind of like, you know, you're in Gorilla Biscuits, Luke. You can't spread yourself too thin. And he, I think he practiced with us like once or twice, and he was just like, I can't really do this. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like in Gorilla Biscuits. And uh, it wasn't anything kind of like harsh or anything. He was just like, I, I can't do it. I can't do two bands. It's just going to be too much. So that's when we got Drew to play that first show. But I believe Luke was first. So anyway, remember, if, you remember if, that, Mike? I don't. I could be wrong. That, no. We might have I, gotten. We might have gotten Drew first. I'm not sure. But if it went down like that, there's no way that that Luke played on those songs because we didn't write those songs till way after the seven inch mystery. Yeah. So listen, if True. if Jimmy, you helped actually, write maybe. If Jimmy, you helped write some of the song on the seven inch, how come he didn't record on the seven inch? Was it just like, hey, I'm just gonna he, get this done? Uh, he he wanted to be a good first off, he 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 told me he would never play in a band unless he could be a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And so I told him that wasn't happening. And uh he was also moving into the uh the temple uh downtown. He was becoming a monk. So his time was like aimed towards that. I really, he just really stopped by. Truth be told, he stopped by and I was like, dude, I want to, I got these words and I want to, I want, I want to rip off the course to that bold wise up. And so I had the course fed up. I said, fucking let's rip this song off. Let's rip <laughs> off this chorus. And uh, I need you to write this music for me because I couldn't do it. And uh, that's how fed up got written. We wrote the chorus first. It was a total rip off of bold. Man, inquiring um, minds want to know. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to ask about the artwork for the record. I mean, this is one of the most iconic record covers in hardcore. Uh, that's Man, fairly you got, simple. You gotta give <laughs> Al Brown props. The yeah, guy came up with it all by himself. And I know this was, I know Judge covered Warriors by Blitz on there, so I wanted to ask about um, the Hammers. Was that inspired by any by Cockney Rejects? It, it was the Cockney Rejects Power and the Glory record. Yeah, that's that's the cover. We just took the torch off of it. It's also, it's also my first tattoo that I ever got was a Cockney Rejects Power and Glory tattoo. Damn, that's so awesome. It's, it's that rec- It's that cover. We just took the torch off and kept the. And I think we took off one banner, and so it's the hammers and the banner from the Power and Glory record. And I also wanted to ask about. I mean, this is if you're going to get a straight edge tattoo, it's the Judge Hammers or it's the Minor Threat Sheep. So yeah. what was the first? Or the time? youth of today fist. The youth of today fist, yeah. But I feel like the hammers is more prevalent. And I know so many. I know so many people that have those hammers. I know so many people that have the hammers tattooed on their friggin' face. Yeah, I was every single time we go on tour, there's like a kid with a hammer on his face, hammer here, hammer yeah. behind his ear. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I freaking when I first got into youth of today, and we were getting ready to go on tour, and uh, I went to like the tattoo artist who did my power and glory tattoo and he did a couple mm-hmm. other ones so i was like listen i want you to put this fist with the x on from this new band i'm in and he looks at it and he's like it looks like a monkey paw i'm not putting that on you <laughs> and i was like no man i want it and so uh this was like back when you, you know the stencils were like cut in plastic and shit so he winds up doing it so i wound up getting a tattoo but he made it like a real hand instead of the you know the used to say bold outline yeah that was on the seven inch 
Remember, we put a picture on it on the first pressing in seven inch as your tattoo. So the lyric, the lyric, the insert so small, I couldn't tell what that photo was. That's awesome that that's what that is. I've got the second yeah. press here, not yeah, the first that's, press. That's the that's my tattoo artist version of Youth of Today Monkey Paw. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so when the seven inch, you know, was originally released on Schism. Did you know that like, yeah, we're going to do it on Schism. And then, you know, when we get to a third press, we'll do hold, it on Rev. Hold on, a hold on a second. Can we just go back to the hammers for a second? Yeah. yeah. So Al Brown kind of just steals these hammers from Cockney Rejects, but inspired by Mike's tattoo. Fast forward, what is it, like 30 years? Mm -hmm. Judge plays uh, Sound yeah. of Revolution Festival with the cockney rejects and me yeah. and mike are like oh my god we're gonna get to see that we're playing with the freaking cockney rejects we were like we were so psyched it's like for us it's it's like you know playing with the freaking rolling stones or something I, I was listening to the cockney rejects when i was like 13. like they were playing in like the early early 80s those records were coming out yeah and so we were all psyched and then we get there and judge's dressing room is like right around the corner from cockney rejects dressing room and Cockney Rejects have all these roadies that are huge buff skinheads with tattoos all over their faces. <laughs> and then we start thinking like, are they gonna be pissed that we just stole the hammers? Like, are these freaking roadies gonna kill us? <laughs> because these guys certainly could kill us. <laughs> but I remember, I remember like, uh, I, I went downstairs, right? And I was, I don't know what band was playing, but I was like backstage, off the side of stage, totally by myself, watching the band. And then, you know, I, I fucking look behind me and it's, uh, it's uh, one of the Turner brothers, not uh, Mickey. And he's standing there and I'm like, holy shit, that's a fucking guitar player from Cockney Rejects. In my head, I'm just like, that's a fucking dude from Cockney Rejects. This is fucking crazy. Can't believe I'm fucking <laughs> seeing this guy. And uh, so I'm like, how am I gonna, I, I was like, I gotta go fucking talk to this dude and uh you know tell him that i took his hammers 30 years ago and uh so i'm like i'm like fucking saving all these pictures trying to explain <laughs> i got the judge record out and you probably had that like, hat on that you're wearing right now with the yeah. fucking hammers on it <laughs> and then finally his brother comes down they're both they're both together and i was like this is it i'm going to talk to those dudes so i walk up i was like hey man hold, hold on Mike. I, inter I interject the singer for the Cocky Rage X, Stinky Turner, is famous for being like a boxing legend, yeah. badass, could freaking kill anybody. Go on. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, like, I walk up and I'm like, I'm in a band called Judge from New York. Uh, you know, like, we have a record out 30 years ago. I took the hammers from the P Power and the Glory record and I showed it to them. And they, like, look at each other and he just goes, that's brilliant, mate. <laughs> and it, that was it. We were, like, fucking taking pictures of each other after that. <laughs> it was fucking great. Redeemed. Yeah. I mean, for the record, those are the judge hammers, for for damn sure. You yeah, know, no one. They'll always be the power confused. and the glory to me, man. Oh, fair. <laughs> that, that was that was total. That was total respect to that band. I, that was like my first, like true love was those, uh, you know, live and loud one and two and yeah, so great, great man. That's so great, 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 great records. Fucking cool. Um, yeah, I went downstairs and I saw Stinky Turner and I just walked right up to him. I didn't know that Mike had talked to him and I said, Hey man, I play in that band judge. I just want you to know that, you know, we use that, we use that hammer logo and it was totally in honor of you guys. You know, I was listening to you guys since I was 13. I loved you guys. 
And he just looked at me, he shook my hand, he gave me like a huge hug. And he was just, he said, so I don't even know what he said because his accent, you ever remember talking to that guy? I couldn't understand <laughs> yeah. a word that guy said. <laughs> but just from his body language, I could tell like, hey, it's cool. You know, yeah. it's all good. <laughs> I, could, the only, I couldn't make out a lot of what they're saying, but I just remember him saying, that's fucking brilliant, mate. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, you know, Greg starts started asking about the transition of the of the seven inch from schism to rev. The the schism version, there's three thousand pressed, which is that's a lot. You did it. You pressed it, it three times, and Jason has said there's a couple different inserts in mm-hmm. there. So you start pressing it as a seven inch to go a schism. Did you make three thousand copies of? this the fanzine also like how did how did it go with putting the fanzine with the seven it didn't, it didn't, it didn't come out with the fanzine that was project At x all. okay we pressed we pressed it three times uh-huh. it was a, and it was a thousand it was a thousand each time and when we pressed that first thousand you know and it's like okay here it is schism records basically we did that 500 project x seven inches that we practically sold in one show I mean, we sold them at the Anthrax. There was 800 kids at the show, practically. The only reason why we didn't sell all 500 at that one show is because we kept some back at the apartment because we didn't think we were going to sell them all. And then it was like, okay, now we got to get rid of a thousand. How are we going to do this? And they went like that, like that. Like, I think, you know, we went to a Gorilla Biscuit show and sold them. And we just like, it was nuts. Like we had boxes of these just seven inches. And kids were just lining up and buying them and buying them and buying them and buying. We we went through that first thousand in probably like a couple of days. We couldn't believe it. And then we printed another thousand. Then we printed another thousand. And uh, I thought they were all the same. Did they have different inserts? Uh, yeah, the first the, the first press has Mike's tattoo on the insert, uh-huh. and then I've got the second press here, and it's got a live photo, but it's I remember the labels were different photo. colors, right? The first press is, is white labels, the second press is yellow labels? This is yellow labels right here, and it's got the construction gloves that I wanted to ask Mike about. Oh, this no way. <laughs> Look at this, brother. Yes! <laughs> wow, that's oh, the that construction rules. gloves. And didn't, didn't Mike DC these, these are these are, at, these are actually gardening gloves from the local 7-Eleven. <laughs> the construction gloves I gave, I gave to, uh, when I was in youth today, I had construction gloves and I got really sick on tour. And um, remember that dude Kane Purcell? Yeah, sure. Kane Rose. Uh, his family took care of me. Like I had strep throat, so they let me sleep for a couple of days. Oh man, I remember that. Yeah, I was oh, like super sick. With Mike sick. Is this in yeah. Richmond? Because Kane's from, I'd met him before through friends. Yeah, I think it was Richmond or DC or something. It cool. was Richmond. Kane's. They from took Richmond. he took care of me, and then I, you know, I just gave him my gloves after that. So whatever happened to him after that, but I gave him the cane. I that must be how Mike didn't Mike DC have those gloves, Jason? Because I swear I saw. He had pictures, Mike McTurin yeah. from uh, Damnation AD. Yeah, maybe. I, feel like maybe really? had, I think he had them for a bit. I, th- I thought he gave them back. I don't know. Yeah, there was I people- remember Mike, Mike was complaining about being sick and it, like he had, his throat hurt. And I was like, Mike, open your mouth. Let me look in. And I opened his mouth and the whole back of his throat 
is just like white. Oh no. I'm and like, that's... dude, you got to go to the hospital, man. It does not <laughs> look good. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, awful. Took it. it was just so, it was so awesome back then. Like strangers would yeah. just bring you to their house. They'd feed you. They'd take care of you. They'd clothe you. They'd uh-huh. give you a place to stay. Like, man, we really like, we were so indebted to so many people that gave us just above and beyond hospitality. It was really incredible. Inspired by the music though, you know, loving your band so much that that's what they wanted to do. You know, I mean, that's what makes hardcore good. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I learned a lot about that kind of stuff when I got into youth today. Like I never, never experienced like friendship, like, like that people letting you have their house, you know, yeah. stay in your house. Like what we we're talking about with Dano. I mean, we stayed at Dano's for like a month. It seemed like, like, yeah. we, were like we, we fucking moved in. <laughs> we we took over, man. We really did. He probably regrets it. <laughs> no, he seems to have good. He has good memories of it from what I've seen. And even I, you know, I talked to him like before you came on Porcel, I was talking to Mike about when you guys all kind of stayed there at some point he was saying, whether it be like everybody at once or different groups, but like that stuff still, I believe still happens I mean, not now, but, you know, when oh, bands yeah. are playing, like, you know, I was in a touring band in the early 2000s and it was the same deal. Like we would stay at people's houses that we never met. And it's people I still, you know, talk to through social media and stuff to this day. You, and a lot of like normal people don't understand that, yeah. you know? And I know. I, I feel I've tried lucky. to explain that way and people are yeah. like, what? Like, oh yeah, we just show up <laughs> at a show and, you know, on stage you say like, Hey, uh, somebody got a place for the night and <laughs> you stay somewhere with somebody you've never met. It's like two in the morning. They're leading you through these dark back roads. You have no idea what you're getting into. I mean, my, I mean, when you today, more times than not, we stayed in some rich kid's beautiful house, right? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> we, we only stayed in a few, in like punk houses, maybe a few times, but you know, those straight edge kids were usually rich. <laughs> we did we did get lucky uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, what? one story that I remember is that one time we were on tour, the other day was on tour, and, you know, we had no money. We would get to a show. A lot of times you wouldn't get paid. Like, every dime that we had went into the gas tank. We had no money. We literally had no money for food, and we were literally starving. Like, no joke. Like, we were just like you know stomachs were like this we were like all skinny and we're just like what what are we gonna do we have no we literally have no money and so we're like mike you gotta steal us some food dude like we're gonna die you gotta steal us some food because no one else would steal so mike had this like army jacket so you leave it to the dirty jersey kid (laughs) (laughs) so mike literally kept us alive shoplifting at 7-elevens across the country so we could eat like like spaghetti (laughs) they're like mike you think you could steal some food i'm like dude i'm from jersey of course i can (laughs) what do you you need (laughs) but yeah but remember how that all dude remember how that all ended up i was like i was stealing all this stuff from like all these stores and then um then we find, I forget where we were, but we were somewhere and we find this health food store. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. <laughs> These guys are like, you got you to gotta go get was... us some food from this place. So I go Wait in up. and I'm fucking hey, loading up on, this jacket. Hold on, hold on a second. You want to know what's interesting about that? That health food store? You want to know what that health food store was? 
Wow. That, that was the very first Whole Foods ever. It was the first Whole Foods that was in Texas. Whoa. Yeah. They're based out of Austin. Yeah. Uh, well, I did my best to rob it. Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, didn't Capo have like a Whole Foods t-shirt or something? Yeah, he wore, like, he wore it at uh, City Gardens. Yeah, because yeah, there's, there's pictures. And I remember being like, Whole Foods t-shirt. But yeah. I like... I was like stuffing all, I was stuffing all this food in this jacket and shit. I had all this food and those guys are talking to the lady who owns the place or runs the place. And, uh, I'm like, it's time to go. And I, so I walk over there and I didn't know these guys must've been telling her the story of, you know, how we were broke and fucking starving. So she looks at me and she goes, I, I know you're, I know you don't have any money. I know you're hungry. Take whatever you want. And I was like looking at her going, no, don't be nice. <laughs> Cause my jacket, cause my jacket is full of your stuff. <laughs> Please don't be you're nice like, to me right now. I knew now. you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Open up the jacket. <laughs> yeah. That, and I was like, that's it. I'm not stealing anything anymore, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the weight the weight of that one was too much to bear yeah i remember that that lady was so nice wow yeah so when does jordan approach you about releasing the record on revelation pretty soon after we sold out those those three thousand because yeah. it was really at that point you know we put it not long after that we put out that youth today can't close my eyes 12 inch through caroline uh-huh and um you know, Youth of Today was pretty much touring like nonstop. And like in between Youth of Today, we would do, you know, some judge shows. So like, and Alex was always our roadie or he had just joined Gorilla Biscuits. And we did not have time to do the label. We just didn't have time. Mm -hmm. And um, so after we pressed that 3,000 and the th like every time we pressed 1,000, they would go like that. We pressed another 1,000, it would go like that. Great record. And so I think we asked Jordan if he would take it over. And he was like, over the moon. I would love to. We'll make a real cover. We'll make a different color, you know. Because, you know, before we would just Xerox the cover. Yeah. And we would yeah. have a, we, we'd have a fold and bag party. And it was like us, the Boiling Point guys, the Beyond guys. We would all just sit in Schism HQ and we would just, you know, take all the thousand. We'd assemble all the records. So um, that's when that's when it had it actually had that first kind of like glued cover. Yeah, and it's got a, it's got it was, some. It was the black and orange one, I believe. Yeah, right? was that the first Revelation pressing? First press is orange, and it it's like it's. I think that there's four thousand black immediately. And then a thousand blue. Uh, so like first press, right out the gate, five thousand records, and then it's pressed at least four times, probably more by now. So this seven inch, there's tens of thousands of copies of this worldwide by now. And for something that you guys sank three hours into, and seventy five bucks to start to go that big that is a, a good return that's a phenomenal mm -hmm. achievement and and something that i don't know if people like really realize and give you guys enough credit for um you know everybody knows that judge is is a, a monumental band and a benchmark of hardcore but to really put it into that perspective of like how small it started and then where it went 
I guess you could say is a uh, <laughs> you know, you know that 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 record. I mean, literally, if me and Al Brown had the money to keep pressing it, we could have just went to shows and just sold boxes and boxes. Like we would set up with boxes of five hundred records, and yeah. then literally an hour later they'd be gone. It was weird. It was like it was almost like we were bringing the shows, and every kid at the show would be clamoring over each other to get that seven inch. It was so like, it was kind of it was a little phenomenal. It was yeah. like, it was pretty uh, amazing how people just like really wanted to hear that record, you know. And it was it was like back in the day, so it wasn't like you were going to hear it anywhere else. Like you had to buy the record and take it home and and, and hear it because it was it was so new, and most of the copies were just sold in New York. So uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a big wave, and it didn't sound like the other Revelation bands even at that point. In the that's that's what made it so popular, right? Because it <laughs> it, 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 a... it did it didn't sound like your regular old youth crew thrash band, and Not that's at all. No. that's what intrigued people. That's what intrigued people about it, and that's why everybody wanted to hear it. And it's weird because it's like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the lyrics on the seven inch, especially were real in your face, straight edge lyrics. But I think because of the music being so different from that typical youth crew sound, a lot, it appealed to people that weren't straight edge at all. And they thought it was awesome. Like I know a ton of people who aren't straight edge, have never been straight edge. And like the only band that's straight edge that they like is Judge. That was the good point and the bad point. <laughs> right because uh man there was some real nutty people that loved Judge. Yeah. and that first seven <laughs> inches like the lyrics like i remember being a kid and hearing it and being like what is up with this like it was so mysterious to me because i wasn't used to straight edge lyrics being like that yeah you know like i was used to like you know minor thread and uh, youth of today and you know all that stuff and then hearing this was like you know the record scratch almost like the heck's going on and um mm. it was a lot to take in and you want to know it's what I, I don't know what it was about judge or what it was about the lyrics but if you were like like an abused kid who was like beat up by his old man when you were like a kid and you were like really effed up. It didn't matter whether you were straight as you're not. For some reason, those type of kids really gravitated towards Judge. Isn't that true, Mike? Yeah. Like we met so many stories of just like kids with these like horror story, dark pasts. And like Judge was their favorite band. I don't know what it was about the band, but that's just the way it kind of. I think it was out. just the, the realness of it. Like it was. It didn't, it doesn't seem, it doesn't come across as contrived. Not at all. Um, and it's, you know, and we'll get to the LP. That's a whole other level for me lyrically to talk about. But I think it's just super honest. And I think that when, you know. A lot know, of times, a lot of times I think, you know, there's a, there's a big portion of straight edge where people are like, hey, I've never drank before in my whole life. I've never done a drug before in my whole life. This is, you know, I'm straight edge. I'm going to be straight edge for the rest of my life. And that's fucking great. You know, more power to you. But what about the ones that don't come from that clean past? 
you know, the ones who are really fighting for it, you know, the, or the ones who grew up around it. That's the way I felt, you know, it, it's, it's not always pretty and it's not always like a cute minor threat lyric. Yeah. Sometimes it's dirty and, and it's ugly like judge. Yeah. It's like the dark, it's like the dark side, you know, you have your like seven seconds whom I know, you know, I know you guys love. I love seven I lo- seconds. I, yeah, I love. But seven you know, sometimes you have the dark side, like Judge. Yeah. Well, um, I gotta say though, the first time hearing "A Slave to Sex" and you tell me you're pure, that is definitely a lyric. Where when I heard it, I stopped. And you think, you know, they're really good lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Even for I, I agree. Like, and I know Mike, you've said like "In My Way" was like about an actual family member of yours, and that's like yeah. real shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not just talking about like, uh, you know, Joey skinhead or something that, you know, that, the, that, you know, stop being straight edge or whatever. Like this is coming from real, a real place. Yeah. And I mean, not, o- I- not only that, but it's like a story of like horrible abuse. Like that's a, that's a pretty horrible story. Yeah. You know, if you watch the documentary, Mike tells the whole story. It's like, yeah. right. Whoa. Yeah. So it's just so funny how, you know, music takes on a mood and so kids that had those kind of like messed up stories they were super into judge and you know at this point you know this is like 1988 or whatever there's a huge straight of scene like you know youth today went through our struggles in the very beginning beer bottles thrown at us fights riots skinheads Mm -hmm. but by that point we could roll into any town in america it would be you know 500 to a thousand straight edge kids all clean cut. They love the band. They're singing along. Everything's great. Everything's posy. And then you go on a judge tour and there's some really troubled dudes like showing up to the show. You know, it wasn't like youth of today at all. It was a whole different animal. And yeah. it was just, it was just a whole new thing that we had to, uh, that we had to navigate. There wasn't many varsity letterman jackets at Judge. That's what I was going to say. It probably wasn't as much like the Nikes and varsity jackets. And you want to know something? It wasn't like it wasn't like they were bad people. You know, a lot of them were straight. You know, a lot of them were straight edge. But like Mike said, they came through it from like places of abuses. You know, places of abuse, alcoholic parents, Mm -hmm. broken homes. They were drug addicts themselves, and. yeah, it was like a it was a it was a different crowd. I would wager that probably people became straight edge after hearing the seven inch. Maybe some of the people that wouldn't have been receptive to a bold or to a youth of today. I guarantee you there's people who are like, Judge was a selling point for me hearing this seven inch, um, you know, and, and reading the lyrics. That was what put me over the top. Also, sometimes sometimes guys who are like really fucking struggling with it, they need Yeah. To, they need to hear something like that. Like, you know, it's okay to get pissed off at your situation. Let's just, you know, keep your eye on the prize and get through it. Yeah. That, uh, you know, you can't fucking, <laughs> I don't want to talk about other bands, but other bands have let me down in the past. So I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Greg, like you were saying, it wasn't just straight edge kids coming to the shows. It was all, you know, it was all different kinds of kids. It was like metalhead, a lot of metalhead kids were coming to the shows, kids with long hair and like, you know, uh, 
wargasm shirts. <laughs> yeah. no, a kid with long hair and a wargasm shirt is not coming to you at the Today Show. You know, it's just not happening. But but they would come to judge shows. You know, it was uh, it was like a new thing. I got one last question about the seven inch artwork before we get off the seven inch. But uh, in the in the insert, it says that Sammy took photos. It says photo credits, and Sammy's one of the people that is credited for taking photos for the seven inch. Do you know what photo we took? What photos on the back cover? It's two. It's you. It's is that uh, the one in some records? It's split down the center here. Tra is uh, you got the instead shirt on? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, which I was always like, that's a sick shirt. It looks um, like you're playing drums too. Yeah, I think so it's from take, Youth of Today. Sammy took huh. a picture of Youth of Today playing. <laughs> It yeah, might have been the picture. It might have been the picture of me because that's me stage diving at CBGB's. Oh, I was just gonna say it okay. looks like it looks like Porcel stage diving and Mike's playing drums. That's cool. And then is that that's Sammy on the label though? Yeah, yeah. With the uh, putting up the flyer or what have yeah. you. Yeah, that was a later label. I think that was a Rev Press. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's, that's the Rev Press. The, the Rev. Is it taking that down was, a I checking ID sign? Oh uh, yeah, I think that's what the photos of. Have your IDs ready, and, and then he's ripping it down. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, that was when Sam, Sammy was in the band. By that point, I was gonna. We were talking about that because in the in the rev pressing, it actually says Judge is now Mike Porcel, Matt, and Sammy. Um, yeah. So we were trying to figure out like when Rev took over the seven inch, did they put it out at the same time as the full length because it looks like we're looking at an ad and it says you know new york crew uh, a new pressing coming august 15th um and then there's lp cassette of bringing it down that includes new york crew on the cd that was the one i had that was how i heard the seven inch was from you know the bringing it down that had those songs at the end uh i i thought the seven inch repress came out first but i could be wrong i don't know maybe they came out at the same time we'll have to ask jordan yeah, yeah. They're, both, they're both 1989 yeah and they're i mean the catalog numbers are next right to next other, to each other yeah that doesn't necessarily mean yeah anything. rev has always been interesting with uh sometimes they'll use a number as a placeholder um yeah but which we're going to discover i'm sure later and be like what the heck yeah <laughs> Are we gonna do hot tracks for the seven inch? Yeah, let's let's do it. All right, uh, Porcel, hot track for the Judge Seven Inch. And you guys aren't gonna believe my hot track, but my hot track is I've lost. Okay, here's like a hardcore scene, and here's like Judge, the most pissed off band in the world, and Mike comes up with like the first emo lyrics ever sang in hardcore. I thought that was so freaking cool. Like here's this angry like pissed brutal record and then he's got this like really kind of vulnerable emo song about his girlfriend breaking up with him like i thought that was so cool like it added a whole it added a whole element of just like humanness to the band that i think if it if the seven inch didn't have that song mm -hmm. that song kind of balanced it out a little bit from just being this just like over the top kind of really super pissed off negative record and um so that song really kind of like has a special place in my heart i think it's a i think it's a great song I think unintended it's, you said yeah. special place in your heart oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um 
I got to hand it to Mike, man. The guy's yeah. a great lyricist, and that's one of his best songs he ever wrote. Friendship yeah. means you're just beyond my. I was touch. just gonna say that lyric. I mean, so that line is incredible. Yeah, incredible. That, that um, first off, I I always said that I think this song is a precursor to the full length, like oh, showing yeah. like, hey, we got more up our sleeve than just writing like songs like "Fed Up" and "In My Way." Like we have more introspective, you know, <laughs> lyrics. But um, I've lost. I remember like going through my first real breakup and listening to that song. And I love like the whole ending lyrics of I choose to stay away because I want to keep control. Like the whole thing, I was like, I can't be friends with you. Like we're done. You know what I mean? And like, I thought that was like just a, a cool lyric that I, that resonated yeah. uh, with me. Although it's not my hot track, I'll, I'll say. Yeah. Well, I will say that it is my hot track. Um, I've actually considered getting the lyrics or actually in if you translate i've lost in french it's j'ai perdu and i wanted to gerard get gerard depardieu <laughs> no no mon ami it is not gerard depardieu j'ai perdu um I, I i thought about getting that and you know at porcel we've been friends for a while and you know that you always tease me about like my kind of like darkness side and like my also my emo side and that side of me also really related to, I think, judge in general. Um, it is a little bit darker and it is a little bit deeper than a lot of the other bands that came out at the time. So um, when, you know, when you say, I know I fucked it up, like how many times in your life are you like, yeah, I fucked this up, you know? Um, but there's always more lyrics out there that are like, yeah, I fucked it up, but you know what? It's not my first failure, whatever. I'll forget this one too. So, right, like this was so different than that. Yeah, but um, yeah, this is my hot track for the seven inch as well. So solidarity there. Damn, great minds yeah. think alike. All right, who's next? <laughs> who's on the chopping? Jason? I'll kick oh. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggled with this one because the lyrics that I've lost are really, really great lyrics. My heart says explode is just killer. But I got to say, New York Cruise, one of the best hardcore songs ever written i mean it's i don't know it's funny too because you know you think you that think, song's funny no no it's funny <laughs> 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 because i heard that song in you know in the 90s and you're talking about 82 and i'm thinking fuck i want to be in 89 so i can see gorilla biscuits and judge and youth today you know at the time which i thought was never possible so uh is it weird to see people go crazy for that song not in new york you know what i mean yeah. i mean that's an international in malaysia like you're playing malaysia mm -hmm. and, and the place just goes nuts for new york crew oh no doubt it was watching people go nuts for it with gb grill discus playing it is what made me want to get back together yeah it's a great song it is but, but also not my hot track my hot track. <laughs> I, mean, I was actually waiting for Javier to say, just because he's Javier, I was waiting for him to say Warriors. Just because that's like the Javier, Javier way. Sick cover. It is a great, it's one a of great the best cover. covers out. Yeah. Because yeah. it, sound, it, it sounds still like. I actually like prefer it. Track. I prefer it to the Blitz version. I prefer it to the Blitz version also. Yeah. Um, I do too. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Because it, the Blitz version would have been perfect if they didn't do that corny thing in the chorus. Ari, Ari, Ari. Yeah. 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 
My thoughts exactly. That's funny. So I'll do my hot track. Yeah. In my way. Nice. Um, I mean, I I love that, love that song. Uh, in the early days of One Up, we used to cover it, and it was fun to play. So that factors into like there's just a super fun cover to do, and it is just, a fun song to play. On yeah, and and sure. get to sound pissed, get to be pissed off, and you know over the top straight edge because i think there's still a place for that kind of straight edge song um you know even now i always used to laugh thinking like so the lyrics the one lyric um i'm, I'm looking at it here those drugs are going to kill you if i don't get to you first and i tried to put a positive spin i was like well maybe he means like that if he gets there in time he's going to save her for doing drugs like not like I'm going to kill you myself. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's drugs going to hit you if, if I don't get there first to save you. So that was like my little, no, like, I, don't <laughs> yeah. I always, I, I didn't think that was the intention, but I was, I was like, well, in an alternate reality, maybe that would have been the intention. And that's kind of a P PMA was not in the building. The night <laughs> yeah. <I was> like. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. And you know I, I, you know, you, you know, what's, oh, go, go ahead. I, don't I was just going to say the, I don't know. I never heard the schism press, but like the, the revelation seven inch, the beginning has the, you've, you know, the loss, the backup vocals. And for some reason, like on the digital or whatever, the Spotify, I guess the remix or whatever doesn't have that intro in the beginning, which is a bummer. That's all I thought. That's all I, that's all I got. Uh, what what I was going to say about in my way, you know, it's funny because, you know, when Mike told that story about, you know, his relative and, you know, the, the drum deal and, you know, all, all that stuff happening that was in the movie, I had no idea that that's what the lyrics were about. But if you look at those lyrics, they kind of perfectly translate into like, um, you know, people in the scene, they give straight edge kids so much shit for, you know, this and, you know, being judgmental, you know, what being elitist, whatever. But when you think about it, you know, you go to a show and there's a bunch of drunk people. They're, they're like invading more people's space and causing more like, disruption to other people's peace and you know it's ironic that they'll say all this stuff about about straight edge bands but when you think about like all the all the um crap that you have to deal with with a room full of drunk people at a hardcore show that's what i thought the song was about and it almost perfectly maps to that and so uh Us. I found it interesting when I heard what the lyrics were actually about. And I was like, wow, I thought it was about something completely different. It was about, I thought it was about going to a show and there's a bunch of drunk people there who are against straight edge, but yet they're so drunk. They're either causing fights or they're in your face or they're moshing stupid, um, you know, and they're hurting people, which happens all the time. Yeah. There's a project X song about it. I heard. Yeah. <laughs> you just might too. <laughs> And the documentary is called There Will Be Quiet, the, the story of Judge. Yeah, I was going to say, if people awesome haven't watched it yet, go on YouTube and look it up. It's a four-part. Um, it's awesome. Really well done. Yeah. All right, Mike, the Judge, what is your hot track on the Judge 7-inch? Uh, still one of my favorite songs is uh, Fed Up. Yeah. It's like something I look forward to playing. I love that growl I get to do going into the slow ending. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love those words. It's the it's the whole song is the the best fuck you to a lot of people who let me down. And uh, my way of saying, I know what you did. You're not getting away with it. I know what you did. So it's fed up. It's a great way to start the seven inch too. You know, it's, it's just like such a powerful opening and uh, sets the tone for the rest of the band. Oh yeah. It sets the tone like right out of the gate. It's yeah. like a big middle finger coming out of the speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you can't, op- you can't open the record with any other song than that. I didn't know all of that growing up, you know, I was just like, Oh, here's this fucking hard ass band. And it's different from all the rest of the stuff. And I didn't know that it was like kind of, no, I don't want to say a retaliation, but a, you know, a, a response to some of the other stuff mm-hmm. that was going on. So learning all of that stuff from the documentary and from just, you know, interviews or whatever, I was like, oh, it makes a lot more sense that as I got older, but, you know, just like you said, you know, you, you have people all across the world who are just finding these lyrics and these songs and it's, it becomes a manifesto, becomes a way of life. And uh, you guys had no way of knowing, but here we are. And 32 years later, people are yeah. still into it. I mean, pe- you know, Judge, hopefully we'll be able to play again sooner rather than later. And, yeah, I uh, hope so. It's, it's weird to think that like, um, you know, I think it was like either Youth Today or Judge was supposed to play. Was it Judge or was, we were supposed to play Hellfest in France, Mike? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was Judge was supposed to be Hellfest. And, and they took the whole entire bill and they just put it to 2021. And there was this merch company. I talked to somebody from a merch company that does, uh, that does all the merch for that show. And they just told me that it doesn't look like that's happening. So we might not be even playing Hellfest in 2021. It's like, who knows? It's kind of yeah. a scary time. Is there even going to be shows next year? Yeah. Well, everything anniversary that, of the seven inch. Yeah. Everything that, everything that I've researched and seen seems to point more towards 2022, which is a huge, it's a bummer, you know, like uh, the last show that I saw was actually uh, the shelter and gorilla biscuits in, in Reading. Oh yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, it was so fun. It was in December. And then like, you know, usually in the winter, unless there's something crazy, I lay low. Cause I'm like, I don't want to make too many plans if it's going to snow and I'm going to be, you know, whatever. But uh, then March hit and we all know what happened, but yeah. So hopefully you guys can play sooner rather than later. And people can, you know, listen to this and get stoked. Here's hopefully hear some new stories. I know there's stuff new to me that we talked about. So All thank right, you good. so much. This one's called the New York Crew. What a, what a great opportunity we have always. I know we're always super grateful that we get to talk to these people involved in these records, but it's judge 
I mean, they said it that people basically took the judge records and turned it into a lifestyle. Right. And, and it started with this record really like those, I mean, there's straight, it's, it's not like they invented straight edge, but was there really like militant straight edge before or what was perceived as uh, maybe the project X seven inch, right? There's a drunk in the pit, yeah, but, but like, that's not as militant. Um, or what or, was perceived as militant. That's the thing too. It's like, you know, I, some of the record, some of some lyrics for any, any song can always be interpreted by people differently. And I think this, this record really is a, like a benchmark of that. Yeah. To me, this, this was like going in that SSD, like SSD was darker mm. than even like, you know, cause you had, you know, minor threat, you know, invented it. Right. But then SSD took it to that next level mm-hmm. um, and had a darkness to it and a little bit of like a, I don't want to say violent, but like you'd hear the story. Hard. Like, it's hard. harder. Yeah. 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 And I think that Judge ratcheted that up too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we talked about in the interview, Judge was reactionary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the hard best music of any genre is reactionary to what's going on look at how punk started it was a reaction to you know 70s bloated aor rock so then you get like a band like the ramones that is taking it back to basics and saying fuck these like seven minute songs with noodling guitar solos we're gonna play like 50 style rock but just you know our own spin on it and I think Judge was no exception. It was like a reaction to what was going on in the scene at the time. And it resonated with a lot of people, still resonates. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, fuck, man. I love, I love Judge. Yeah, same. You know, if, if I just said I don't own this on vinyl, I probably would only play side A of a seven inch of this if I'm spinning it at home personally, I mean, I'm not a fan of seven inches anymore listening wise, because it's so much work to flip it up. You know, I'm a a 12 inch guy and I fucking hate double 12 inches. Now this trend of like two or three songs on a side, like uh, I, but whatever. I I can get down with that though. I agree. Like to me, like side B of this seven inch, I don't want to say it's a novelty, but it's like, I'm more apt to listen to those three songs on the first side than I am to listen to those two songs on the second side. Well, I don't agree with you. My hot track was on the first side. So yeah, Yeah, it's not really like, I'm not saying I dislike those songs. I just probably wouldn't reach for side B as much as side a, but like, like like I said in the, in the interview, the way that the record just fucking hits in, like just yeah jesus like it just fucking comes in so hard right away and that's like a real grabber there's no feedback like on the 12 inch there's no horns there's no ring out there's no it's just like every like bomb 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 and it's 
it's and how it's, about finding out that it cost like seventy five dollars to record? Jesus, this was like a, that was crazy. Th- this was a demo, like the Chain of Strength seven inch. This was their demo, and it was just two friends who were like, "Hey, we got these songs. Let's go in and record it." Like they didn't even put that much time and effort and work into it. They just had a, a desire and they had some ideas and they just made it happen. And to me, that is both one of the most inspirational and also mm-hmm. one of the most functional aspects of hardcore that you, any, any of you motherfuckers listening to this right now could do that same thing, right? Like you just, you pick up a guitar, you pick up some drumsticks, you pick up a microphone, you pick up a pen, and you craft some songs. Anybody yeah. could do it. Like, look at reaching out, reaching out, shout a big out, bit of bow, reaching out, New Jersey hardcore. Those are kids. And they picked up instruments. They saw what their parents were doing. And they're just like, cool, now it's our turn. We're going to do yeah, this. Agreed. And, and they put out a killer demo. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing with Judge, too, that I've always liked, and even though maybe there was a period of time where when Mike was kind of out of things like i love the fact that it's much like youth today you always think of ray and porcel judges it's no disrespect to any of the members on the on the 12 inch but judges porcel and mike i mean at the heart of it you have both of them and that enduring friendship and the fact that it started when they were in youth today together and you know i mean we all we all know porcel is just such a cool guy. Porcel um, is like uh, the hardcore Johnny Marr to me, right? Like he is always accented. He's going to love that. Yeah. He's always accented <laughs> by who he's playing in a band with. Mike Judge, um, Ray Capo. Yeah. Right? And, and it, it, it's like a, un, a union of these two things. Like it, it's, a, it's a perfect storm. And that this judge seven inch yeah <laughs> this, this this judge seven inch and like you're saying um i had to ask porcel who played bass on uh bringing it down because for some reason in my head i thought it was jimmy you this whole time and he's like no it's matt pinkus and i was like yeah but also okay. finding out the contribution of jimmy you yeah to, to the seven inch writing huge. fed up and and um it's just cool and, and mike one of the things i always liked about judge was they had a whole different presence to them as well. Yeah. Um, Artwork's big. Physically. Physically. Yeah. You know, Mike wasn't this wiry little, you know, scrawny dude with bleach blonde hair and Nikes. Like, he's like a bigger, more menacing presence. Yeah. And, um, and kind of like Dwid in the 80s and 90s also had a little bit of mystery and like, like almost scary. This character, he was a character, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and not saying that. And it's a, funny because then you talk to him and he's like the sweetest guy, just like, you know, such a nice dude. But like, I loved that about Judge. Like Mike would wear flannel shirts yeah. and trucker hat, jeans and a hat. Chain and, around his waist. Yeah. Like I, I like that stuff, you know, yeah, and, same. you know, because it didn't fit this like cookie cutter mold. Jason, and, um, um, Greg just said something about the artwork for this record too. And the cover of the seven inch, I mean, even looking at it in the record aficionado book in, I guess it's black and gray, the halftones 
you know how it fades from small dots to big dots mm -hmm. and then the banner juxtaposed over that that's like kind of negative creates yeah. negative space and then the the two different fonts right you got Berthold city and then what's the 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 judge font called like doing all of this like once again <laughs> doing all of this without <laughs> fucking photoshop gee well, i listened to poor cell on the hard times podcast bit up oh hard times podcast and poor cell really said something that um I never thought about before and I should have. Al Brown is solely responsible for the youth crew aesthetic. Yeah. The look and the feel of so many records. Yeah. And the time and effort that it takes. It's a, it's a having him, you know, pass away is a huge yeah. loss. Um, really I think is. that, you know, he was, um, you know, not only just an integral part of like Gorilla Biscuits. Mm hmm. Um, but just with schism and yeah. his sense of humor and his, um, the, the, the reviews and the writing and the interviews and then the layouts, like it's a big blow to, to it is. hardcore. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's, it's a bummer, uh, a huge bummer. I was bummed when I found out about it and I'm still bummed anytime I think about it. And I didn't know him personally, but he just seemed Same. like such a rad, uh, guy. So. And after he passed, people said, you may know him because he did the cover for Slip. Mm -hmm. He did the cover for Rival School's record, Pedals. He's done some really great artwork. And I just wanted to bring that up because I never heard someone say it, that he was responsible for a lot of that. That's right. He did the Slip. Look. He did Slip. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's... I always forget about that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, not to shift gears too much, but still on the same subject. The back of that schism version is basically like a mirror image of the back of the rev version right the the yeah got the diagonal and it's going the other way and it's still the two pictures of mike judge and porcel but mm -hmm. they're different pictures and um it's interesting that it like what carried over to the rev version and what didn't and yeah. that kind of sets the tone for some of the other reissues in the future with the new artwork right and then on the Rev version, there's also Sammy is on there three times. He's on both labels, and there's a picture of him playing drums. Mm -hmm. Bit of bow to Sammy. Yeah. yeah bit of bow. Can, can I throw out an idea? Yeah. And I'm sure you guys have thought of this before. Schism bonus episode. Mm. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk to Porcel about some of this stuff. Uh, bit of bow to my dude, Corey Sabatini, who told me this week that the – uh, the schism shirt that Gus Straightedge is wearing in the uh, on the cover of the twelve inch. Mm -hmm. Corey, the way it is. Corey traded him. Corey gave him a Clash ten inch, and Gus gave him that shirt. Whoa! I thought you were going to say it's shirt. now in the Smithsonian. No. It, <laughs> well, and then Corey doesn't have it anymore either. So it's it's just lost. Clash I bought a shirt for yeah, right this month. Yeah, that you the, know, for boot. Which one? The Project X? N no, this is uh, Judge New York Crew. It, I think was, maybe Porcel actually did them. It was uh, something. Yeah, there was some time when yeah, he's, those so schism he, have been available. He did now. the yeah. schism ones two different times, like once in the early 2000s and then a couple years ago through Merch Now. 
Um, okay, this one is but red. they're gone, and I think they need to do them again. So I'm putting yeah, that. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out into the universe. Yeah, I so paid fifty I, um, bucks for mine. The for those of you who have never seen it, the Judge New York Crew cassettes has a completely different color concept than any the any of the seven inch versions. So it's like it's you know the the seven inch versions are like all yellow or all your orange or whatever, and then the schism one obviously is black and white, but the tape version is totally different. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows this, but I'm a huge tape collector, and I've started amassing uh, rev some rev cassettes, and I've managed to track down on Discogs a lot of sealed cassettes and a bit about to take it back records. Uh, from I think it was Take It Back from Europe, who posted a huge Rev collection of cassettes, and there's it's interesting seeing the different versions. Like there's been a couple of different versions of Start Today, a couple of different versions of Bringing It Down, and Take It Back, like the Insight song. Yeah, which exactly. someone should take them back their mic. Yeah, take well, we got to right. Ask, yeah, uh, we need that. We need that to happen. Take back the bit of Bo Insight, and take back, give back that mic. We got anything else to say about the... Um, uh, I mean, I feel like, you know, normally I know we break down like personal connection, but I think we kind of well, talked about that all during the episode. Yeah, and, 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 and we I, can, this is one of those ones that I truly don't remember. Like, I don't remember the first time I heard it. Like, well, I, I, I heard it the first time because it's... These are bonus songs on the Bringing It Down CD. Right. Yeah. And so that was my first way to take them. I was like, oh, why does this recording sound different? Why do these songs, these five songs at the end sound different? And then, you know, figured out. And then you read the CD that says it right there. Yeah, exactly. But, but when, I, you know, when you're I remember, 14, you don't really read. Right. When I, when I, when I first heard it, it was, uh, I want to say my friend Richie, um, not Richie, Birkenhead, Richie, although uh, bit of Bo Richie Birkenhead, amazing dude. But my friend Richie, he might've gotten a seven inch. And honestly, at that point, I think because my intro to hardcore was like the ebullition stuff and all this, mm-hmm. you know, more for lack of a better term, like politically correct political stuff. Sure. We sort of looked at it as like, I remembered almost thinking it was a joke, which I know sounds funny, but when you're a 14 year old kid, what do you know? But like, he like we would sort of play it and be like this is crazy listen to these over the top lyrics but like i remember being like this is fucking awesome like yeah. you know what i mean like very quickly i was like funny i'm saying in quotes or not like like if this is serious you know because i was like is this serious like because the lyrics are pretty violent mm. and i remember being like is this serious or not that's what i mean by i guess saying a joke but quickly i was like okay this rips and then I heard the LP later, which like we'll talk about next time. But um, I just remembered like hearing the record and eventually just falling in absolute love with it and thinking it's fucking sick. Yeah. Lost but I don't character. remember like it's not one of those things like Gorilla Biscuits where I remember, you know, exactly the first time mm-hmm. I heard it. Like I feel like and, and in a way, it's just because I feel like there was never a time B. It sounds bad. I was gonna say never a time BJ <laughs> before uh, Judge. Before like I judge. feel like I've always had Judge in my life, even as a little boy. Somehow I was listening to it. You know what? What's I've always admired or or noticed about the Judge layouts too is all of the other band shirts, and Mike repped a lot of West Coast hardcore. 
You know, you got the instead, you got the uniform choice and, and, you know, talking to those guys and learning about how much time they spent on the West coast, like, Oh yeah, we thought we were going on tour, but we ended up just living in California for like two months. Dan O's house. Yeah. (laughs) Watching Jeopardy with Dan O's mom or yeah, crazy stuff. But, um, yeah, but instead, like that was another case. Like I remember seeing instead from Arthur. Well, we found out it wasn't Arthur in that picture, mm-hmm. but what was labeled as Arthur on the GB seven inch, and then seeing instead here. And I remember being like, I gotta, I gotta check out instead. And um, you know, then that uniform choice, a wish to dream shirt that might That's a sick shirt. Yeah, I love probably that shirt. Four sided purple ink, right? I think. Hey, what do you want to bet that? Uh, that instead shirt that he's wearing on the back cover of the seven inch that it's red with white ink i think you're oh right. yeah yeah i think you're right that's a great shirt mm-hmm. i love instead but um yeah just what a, what a classic record and, and band yeah and um yeah. a great bunch of guys and i really uh, can't wait to talk about the full length because the, the one one last thing i have to say about the seven inch i feel like this seven inch feels more punk than the full length in every aspect yeah, layout yeah. songs Agreed. sound it's it's got the it's got the blitz cover it's got yeah. the you know the ha- granted the hammers are everywhere with Josh, uh-huh. but it's the first and, appearance but even of the like hammers the, the pictures of sammy putting the you know the sticker up or whatever he's yeah. doing taking something off like it just looks and feels punk and then the yeah. 12 inch does not at all right. it's more slick in mm-hmm. production in layout in in everything oh, it's like man, a little I more mature wait. i yeah. can't wait for that one. so when are we gonna get to uh talking about bringing it down so next time um we will talk about rev 15 uh judge bringing with the apostrophe bringing it down not bringing is, bringing <laughs> you, you know I, I always say if my number one because unlike Javier, I'm a Rev purist. So if it was a reissue, I don't count it on here. But um, where I have Gorilla Biscuits start today and Texas is the reason, do you know who you are? Maybe tied for first. That Judge LP is like looking yeah. right up at them and like climbing up. Like it, it's almost a three-way tie, if not already. So I, don't think that, I don't think that I could pick a number one. I have to have a top five or a top 10. I don't yeah. think that So I like could. the Judge, but if I had like yeah. – any of those could be number one because that judge record is just, it's perfect. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. uh, flawless. So, flawless. Yeah. Flawless. Like Beyonce. All bangers. <laughs> no skippers. All hot tracks. That's yeah. That, that's a tough one for the hot tracks. Gotta yeah. Say. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time. Bit-a-bo. Later. What's up y'all. This is Javier from the where it went podcast. Just wanted to give an extra special bit up bow to our top tier patrons. Dirk Focused, Quiet Keith, Cesar Falcon, Siren Records, Asshole Billy, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Ed Goodlife, Greg Jackson, Chad Keplinger, Tim Shear, Mike the Mosher, O'Neill, the Horsefucker, John Cowell, Brandon Gavell. Uh, if you want more information on our Patreon and see what we're doing, check us out on www.whereitwhenpodcast.com. Try to offer some cool stuff for our patrons. So, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bit of boat!